roosters or someplace like that. Woo! They'll not be doing either of those two things this week. And uh, the reason being is they're going to help us with an outreach we've, we've funneled through our connection group ministry. Uh, some of you may or may not be aware of that. Um, over the last few days, last couple weeks, we've had connection groups pack 1,500 little gift bags that we, will, that we are delivering door to door all around this corner of Ross County in, in, in response and in, a, in, 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 in urging people about the real meaning of Easter. And so far this week, we've covered three-fourths of Kingston, all of Adelphi, Snyder Road, Sulphur Spring, Dry Run. I believe today Hallsville will get the hammer. Um, sometime this week, Carousel Court and Laurelville will get it. Um, and we are, our whole intention is this, to remind people of what the Easter celebration is and to encourage them to get, I can say this with, you, with, with this crowd because you're a little younger crowd than the first crowd, get their rear end in church on Easter Sunday. It's a little nicer than that, though. And we put candy and different things in there uh, and things that just remind them about that and, and access to the church website, different things like that. Um, but the amazing thing about that, I was telling the first group, a couple couple weeks ago, Brian did meet and greet. I don't remember which service it was. We did meet and greet. And he, he told people 13 years ago that very day, 14, 14 years ago that very day, Brian had given his heart to Christ. You know, this Wednesday, the Wednesday before Easter, it was an Easter cantata, as I recall, you showed up to. Is that correct? Here at Church Triumphant, right? That when, This Wednesday, Brian and his group will be going door to door. There's something significant about that. The significance of that is Rachel and I, and uh, we, we were a part of Nancy Carter's home group during that period of time. Six months prior to that Easter, Nancy sends our group out going door to door. Guess where? Kingston. And we walk up to a doorway, and my wife goes, I don't know if we should go in. I don't know. I know those people. She got kind of really freaked out. We had, a, we had a new Christian in our group with us, a guy named Billy Letts, who was very zealous for the things of the Lord. He goes, well, bless the Lord. He probably sent us to this door because you know him. I was like, well, okay. And so me and Billy kind of step to the forefront. We knock on the door and stand in front of the door. Brian's ex-wife, Letha, opened the door, and we're like, hey, we're from church. Letha, Letha, oh, Lisa, yeah, Letha's sitting here. I'm sorry. Lisa's, Letha's sitting here right now. Lisa was the, uh, was the ex-wife. Okay, whoo. Is it hot in here? Whoo. Whoo. Okay. And so we're sitting there at the door, and Brilli and I are talking, and, and Letha's like, oh, I know that church. The pastor there is my uncle. Lisa, Lisa's there. Um, and so, and we're staying there, and she's like, no, I already know, I already have the office, kind of the thing, you know, blah, blah, and all of a sudden she turns around and she sees my wife sitting there. Oh, Rachel, get in the house. Come on. And we're like, oh, okay. And we sit at the table there in their kitchen, and Lisa begins to preach to herself because she knows the way, the truth, and the life and preaches the gospel, and balls and cries, and we all three of us just sit there and absolutely say, hardly say anything. Well, a few minutes later, Brian comes walking in the door. You don't mind if I tell this, do you? As I recall, as I, as I was calling, as I recall, Brian comes walking in the door, smoking a cigarette, drinking a beer. 
leans against the kitchen counter, listens to what we've got to say, doesn't really say anything, doesn't really enter into the conversation, nothing like that. We say, hey, can we pray for you? They let us, and we walk out the door. Six months later, Brian finds himself kneeling probably somewhere right in this area, as I recall. Is that right, Brian? He walked up to Rachel and I afterwards, and he said, something changed in our house that night six months ago, and I have never been the same. Isn't it the awesome power of God that the Wednesday before Easter, Brian will find himself in Kingston going door to door, packing the gospel with him? Isn't that awesome? So don't, we may never be able to tally with scientific evidence the effects that might be going on as we're going door to door. Patrick was in, in Adelphi on Thursday with, with, with some of our group, one of our groups, and was passing things out and walked up to a guy and the guy's like, well, what's the deal? What's the catch? And Patrick's like, there's no catch. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, uh, this is free. It's free. And, and, and you want to go to church and try to get you to go to your church? He said, no, just any church. And the guy's eyes lit up and then he, he, he didn't know what to and tears rolled up in his eyes, and right there in that moment, we don't know what's going to happen with that man. We may never know until we get to heaven. But we need to be faithful and obedient to make sure the gospel is getting to people, and that's what it's all about. So pray about that. If you, we may still have some, but the first crew took them all. We have some leftover bags where we didn't, we 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 kind of over over planned for certain areas that that are that were or are at the welcome center. If you have a neighbor, or a friend you've been trying to work on, you just want to kind of help them nudge over the line. Uh, go back and get one of those bags and, and utilize it. My, my family and I intend over either this afternoon or sometime tomorrow evening to go and do the very same thing in our, in our neighborhood. In fact, we plan to do it just as a family project without using the bags from the church um, to our neighbors and just saying, hey, we're here. Remember the gospel. Uh, we're praying for you. You need us, let us know, and that kind of thing. And we had a few extras, so my, my kids decorated the brown paper bags that we made. And we're going to take them to our neighbors here in the next couple of days. So make, take advantage of that. I'm way over. I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time. NDP, in your, in, your, in your bulletin, there's this paper about National Day of Prayer. It's the 60th observance. 60 years ago this year, President Truman signed into law an observance that our country's officials would call us to pray about our nation and for them. And you know what? There's an onslaught. The ACLU is trying to stop it. There's suits against it. The president did not observe it last year, the first time ever. The president did not observe National Day of Prayer. Okay, I'm not, I'm not trying to take political sides or nothing like that. That's just the honest, true fact of the matter. That's what happened, okay? And so I'm encouraging you all to get involved, okay? Number one, there, there are events noon and 7 o'clock at the courthouse. But also connected with that is a Saturday event where we want our community to know we're not only praying for the community, we care about the community, so we're going to have an outreach event Saturday, May the 7th. We're going to be at Good Shepherd and Anglican Church on Paint Street right down from the Law Enforcement Center to go. The city is going to give us projects to work on. We're going to go like around like an army, not just from Church Triumphant, but from several churches all around the, all around the country almost. That would be great. Um, all around the community and go and do some things, get out in front of people and say, listen, we care. We're going to paint park benches and I don't know what all else we're going to be doing. Stuff like that. This is a very awesome way to join together with the church, not just our church, and have significant impact and opportunity to share the gospel with people. Please don't miss that. The other side is what's really cool. Some of you can't get loose at noon to come to the courthouse. So we're going to give you an option. Why not put together an NDP observance where you work for lunch? 
or during the course of a break somewhere and, and get somebody involved, get two or three of your buddies and say, hey, let's pray together. Go to your, it gives you all the resources you need to know about. The, and we want you to email us so we know how many observances are actually going on in and around this area for NDP. Can you do that? Jeanette, Jeanette is actually the chairman of the Ross County National Day of Prayer Task Force, and so we're heavily involved. Uh, there's all the details right there you need to know. Make, it, make, make yourself aware and plan to do an NDP at work thing if you can't get down to the courthouse. Secret Churches Friday, that's all about us digging into the Word of God, this thing that is our life, this thing that is our foundation, this thing that makes, uh, that brings us to life, the Word of God. And what it's going to be, and you guys are going to freak out, we actually have 83 people signed up, believe it or not, at the moment. And if you're beyond signed up, you can still show up, you just won't get a book, okay? From 7 p.m. to 1 a.m., six hours, we will study the crucifixion, salvation, and the glory of God as it is unveiled all the way from the book of Genesis all the way through the book of Revelation. Awesome. It is a natural progression. What Phil said a minute ago about the awakening, we started praying and fasting back at the beginning of the year. This is one more step in that direction by saying, God, your word means more to me than anything else. I will spend, I will figure out what really resurrection and the crucifixion and everything is really all about and its impact on me and its impact on the world through your life in me. I'm going to figure out what's going on. I'm going to be a part of it. Friday at 7, if you have any questions, you may call Latanya Webb. She is our coordinator for the event. Uh, if you don't know how to get a hold of her, you can call the church office. We'll, we'll, we'll hook you up, okay? Um, that'll work. We're talking about, we are, this is Palm Sunday, man. 2,000 years ago today, a bunch of fanatical people stood on the streets of Jerusalem, waved palm branches and waved banners and screamed loudly, adoration and praise to our Savior, saying things like, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. By Friday, they crucified him. Amazing, isn't it? Wow. What a turn of events. The whole story of Easter, I don't call, I like to call it Easter. I like to call it Resurrection Sunday because it's really not about eggs and bunny rabbits and marshmallow peeps and chocolate bunnies. It's about the life and the resurrection, the power of God that saved us and set us free. Isn't that awesome? And we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. You know what? The funny thing about Resurrection Sunday, there, we talk about the power of the resurrection, the power of God. It is displayed most clearly and evidently in, check this out, because of death. So we want the resurrection power, but dying is not something we're really, we're really interested in, is it? We want to walk in the power of God. We want to know the power that he supplies, but we really don't want to die, die to get it. Because Jesus, Patrick said a minute ago, Jesus gives us access to the Father, to relationship, to eternity, to heaven, to purpose through that thing right there. And something we don't like to talk about is he offers an invitation to us. You know what his invitation is? Come and die. I knew you guys would scream and holler about that. I knew there'd be real excitement in the building, but it's the truth. In the, in the Gospels, Jesus says, he who would lose his life for my sake would find it. But he would seek to save his life would lose it. It's a paradox, isn't it? 
because we desperately want to, to, we want to live. I don't know if you're like me or not, but I find that there are parts of me I think are dead, but they're still alive. There's the angry Aaron who gets angry enough at times to throw things. And even though he lies dormant for periods of time, there are times where he raises his ugly head and looks around at people. I think he's dead. And there's, there's the greedy Aaron. And there's the lustful Aaron. And there's the prideful Aaron. And there's the religious Aaron. And there's all these Aaron's who should have been dead, but they keep raising their ugliness in my life. The most natural instinct we all have is the natural instinct to live. I must have a problem with my mouth. I messed this up first service too, like I did with Letha. You know, we've we that instinct to survive, instinct to live is very powerful, isn't it? I mean, how many stories have you heard about a mom during a car accident reaches over, grabs a hold of a car door, and rips the thing off? Why? Because she's trying to preserve life. Or a man who's able to lift up a log he should be able to lift up to save somebody who's dear to him. Why? Because it was a, how about, I just saw this morning, this is the honest truth. I'm driving up Dry Run Road, headed here to, towards the church. I saw somebody I've never seen before in my life. I saw a three-legged deer crossing Dry Run. Left, the left front leg was gone from here down, just right at the, right at the joint. It was gone. And hobbling across the road. You know, you know why probably that happened? It was caught in something, and it determined it was going to live. And it probably gnawed that thing off just to get away, I'm guessing. You know what I mean? Why? Because it wants to live. And there are parts of us that want to continue to live, even though they should be dead. There's parts of us that continue to want to be alive. And the thing about those things are this. Those are probably the very things that hinder our relationship with Jesus, that keep us from tapping into his power, that keep us from fulfilling our purpose on the planet. They keep raising their heads and raising their heads and raising their heads. And we've got to find a way to deal with them. We can call them passions. We can call them desires. We can call them whatever we want to call them. The fact of the matter is they need to die. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the book from the book of Galatians. The book of Galatians, Paul has three references in there to crucifixion. And in it, he teaches us how to live through a crucifixion. You want to go there with me? You want to tap into the power that really, that really, this, I'll use this term lightly again, the Easter season is all about. The resurrection season is all about. Turn to the book of Galatians chapter 2 with me really quickly. Galatians chapter 2, you'll find these words. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, so I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The amazing thing about this piece of Scripture is, right now, when we, we, we use words like cross and crucified and different things like that, there's, there's a certain thing attached to it. We've kind of sanitized it. You know why? We hang crosses on our houses for decorations. We hang crosses around our necks as pieces of jewelry. We hang crosses in our churches for something for us to worship around, I guess. 
And there's things of beauty. But when Paul, when Paul utters these words, writes the pins these things to this church in Galatia, it does not mean anything like that to them. When he says, I am crucified with Christ, the, ima- the immediate imagery in their mind is what we would call a Roman crucifixion. It has to do with big, long, nine-inch nails. It has to do with 39 stripes on the back of someone with, with pieces of bone and stone and glass and different things attached to it where their backs are ripped open, where they're speared in the side to make sure that they're dead, where, they're, where, where, where there's just this nasty, bloody, awful thing. And so when he makes this proclamation, there is nothing religious about it. There is nothing nice about it. There is nothing pretty or anything about it. He's saying, it's time. I, I am dead, and I have died a gruesome, ugly, nasty death. You know what? We all need to endure that. The Galatian church is like, dude, this man has to be completely out of his mind. What is he saying? What is that? What is he? How, they're trying. I, I'm sure when they read those words, because it was it was sent to a church as a, as a form of teaching. Paul could not be there, so he would send a letter and, and, and asked in the gathering they would read his letters as as the teaching for a particular Sunday or a time when they gathered together. And so they're like, what, what, what is what, what is that? He says, I'm crucified. He gives us the key. The key is the crucifixion of our flesh and stuff. Gauges the depth of our trust in the person of Christ. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. In the life I now live, I live by faith or by trust. This word trust this word faith, it's translated trust in the New Living Translation, is not just mere just understanding of something that you be, oh, I believe. You know, I believe if I turn on that light switch, those lights are going to come on. I believe that absolutely. You're not relying on it necessarily. I mean, you're not banking the whole farm on it or your whole life or every decision that you make on the fact that that light switch is going to turn on. You just understand it's supposed to work that way. You understand what I mean? What he's talking about is trusting to the point of complete dependability. That you depend, it's not just about your religious exercise on a Sunday morning. It's not just about the things you do when you go on a mission trip. It's not about the gathering of your, your, your connection group, your small group together, and talking about spiritual things. He's saying, listen, every facet of my entire life is built and based and founded on the person of Jesus Christ. There is no such thing as a worship thing that, that is just strictly a period of time during a Sunday. He said, my life is worship. I honor God and I trust him wholly and completely to take care of everything about me. There's not one decision I make that he is not in the middle of it that I'm considering what he wants and what he desires, what his word says about it. I am, cons- I am trusting wholly and completely in him. And the only way I can comp- come to complete trust in him is to allow parts of me to die to interfere with that. You get that? It's tough, 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 tough. I was reading in a, in a commentary earlier this week, and I found a piece that was just amazing to me. So Paul, who wrote this piece of scripture, his name was Saul. The Christian in the time were petrified of a guy named Saul because he would kill Christians and imprison them. And then Saul 
on his road to Damascus, gets knocked off his high horse, finds himself at that point following Christ, and from that point on in the Scriptures, you find him being referred to as Paul, who wrote these words. The self-righteous, self-centered Saul died. Further, death with Christ ended Paul's enthronement of self. He yielded the throne of his life to another, to Christ. But it was not his own strength that Paul was able to live the Christian life. The living Christ himself took up abode in Paul's heart. He said, Christ lives in me, yet Christ does not operate automatically in a believer's life. Listen to those words. He does not operate automatically in a believer's life. It is a matter of living the new life by faith in the Son of God, by complete dependence, by complete trust, by complete... uh, reliance and assurance in him that we live it's and then it is then faith and not works or legal obedience that releases divine power to live a christian life this faith paul stated builds on the sacrifice of christ who loved us and gave himself for us and i love this last line of this paragraph listen to these words in essence paul affirmed listen to these words If he loved me enough to give himself for me, then he loves me enough to live his life through me. Wow is right. Wow. If he loved me enough to die for me, he loves me enough yet today to live his life through me. Wow. But what keeps us from that? There are, there are all sorts of things that keep us from, from, from this, 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 this life that Jesus intends. There, there are things that, that come at us that, that motivate us, that satisfy us, that fulfill us, that we could call them passions and desires probably. There are things that we wake up in the morning thinking about as we start our day. There are things that motivate us with our our decision-making process. There are things that come and they they try and navigate what's going to happen, how we're going to move, how we're going to motivate. You know, you've heard of Olympic athletes who are passionate about their craft as an athlete. And they will train hours on end and eat a proper diet and do all sorts of things because they're passionate. They're motivated, right? There are things that do the same thing in us. The the problem with a lot of those things is they compete with Christ. They interfere with a proper lifestyle of worship. They intervene in us getting to our purpose in Christ and they stifle and stop us. And the only way to contend with them, Paul gives us the answer. Look at Galatians 5, 24 and 25. In Galatians 5, to give you some context, Paul starts Galatians 5 by saying these words. Do not be enslaved again with the yoke of slavery. Don't be entangled with that. And he's talking about in, in Galatia, there was a religious thing that had gone on that maybe you should be circumcised, maybe you shouldn't, which was a religious ceremonial thing. They were trying to put non-Christian people in that same boat as, I mean, non, non-Christian, non-Hebrew people, non-Jewish people in the same boat as the Jewish people. And they really couldn't be in relationship with Jesus unless they got circumcised. How fun would that be? Anybody want to, you know? Not only with the bake sale in the cafe today, we'll be offering circumcisions. Please line up at the door. You know what I mean? You'll be like, yeah, woo, right? And that's what's trying to happen here in the church of Galatia. And Paul's saying, listen, this is not how you find life in Christ by just mere, a mere outward thing. 
You find Christ by living according to the Spirit, he says. And he, he contrasts two things. In Galatians 5, 16, he says, the, 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 we, we should live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. And he goes, the works of the flesh are evident. He makes a long list. And then he gets down to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, and he, he says, but, big but there, the fruit of the Spirit is found. And he talks about love, joy, peace, temperance, self-control, all those things. He says, against these things there is no law. There's nothing confining the work of God's Spirit. And then he says these words in verse 24. Those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Strong language. Again, they're going back to this whole thing of this Roman crucifixion. Like, dude, that's pretty intense. And they got a whole picture in their mind of what that looks like and what that means. And oh my goodness. The funny thing is, you, th- you would think that God might be somewhat redundant. Wouldn't you? I mean, passions and desires, aren't passions and desires the same thing? Wouldn't you say, guys, well, it's a passion and a desire? And isn't a passion a desire? And isn't a desire sometimes a passion? And how does that, because you know what, we, that's not really what he's talking about. Again, sometimes our English language just doesn't quite nail, nail it like it needs to be nailed. The word passion here does not mean something that motivates you like an Olympic athlete. The word passion here is the same place where Mel Gibson got the title for his famous movie, The Passion of the Christ. Not talking about his passion, the passion there is not Jesus' desire to save the world. Literally, it has to do with the suffering of Christ. This word passion means to, to, to have suffering, to suffer misfortune, to, to endure some pretty heinous, awful, horrible things. So what is Paul saying? He's saying sometimes the things that motivate us are the great sufferings we go through. The great abuse we suffer at the hands of other people. Some of you wake up every morning determined not ever to be hurt the way you've been hurt the last couple of weeks or the last two years. Some of you for the last three decades. For some of you when you were a young child, some of you, you've determined that you're never, your motivation is to never get back in that boat. And there's some things crawling around the inside of you that are just motivate everything about your day unforgiveness and bitterness and frustration and you you make decisions about what you're going to do with your life based on the hurt that you've suffered the mistreatment you've undergone the unfairness that life has dealt you you have been motivated by that from 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 for as long as you can and it's become very comfortable and very normal and very every and that part of your life has continued to try to live when jesus said it needs to die you you you, you've you've tried to contend with it and you 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 can't because you tried and sometimes you don't want to deal with it. Now the word desire is what you think of. It has to do with lust and coveting. and It has to do with, with, with cravings and longing. And some of us are that way. Some of us have issues of our flesh that every day motivate us. How am I going to get in front of that computer screen today? How am I going to arrange my schedule to get there? Because there are certain things I want to see. How am I going to sneak that drink? How am I going to get to that food? Build my whole day around what I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat it. How about motivated all day about how quickly you can get to another cigarette? 
or something like that. And you know, cigarettes aren't wrong. They're not going to send you to hell. But they do compete with Jesus in your life. Huh? And you find that the more you walk with Christ, the less satisfying they are, and the more agitated you get, and the more you puff on those things, the more joy that Jesus just won't let it ride, will he? Because you find reliance and something out of it that you should be finding in him. You know what I mean? And those things need to die. It's tough, isn't it? Very difficult for us to kind of wrap around. He says, I've nailed it to the cross. He literally means that. He means taking a nail, putting it in there. He said, they have nailed them to the cross. Crazy thing is he goes on to say, he said, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit in every part of our lives. I don't want to presume to be like everything, you know, again, I don't want to, I don't want to sanitize things because we sanitize stuff, we tend not to deal with them. Some of you guys, when I said talk about a computer screen, some of you people, some of you ladies are like, yeah, you better listen, all right? You're not going to send a statistic to my, to my inbox in the last month. Listen to these words. One in three visitors to adult porn websites are women. One in three now, here's the other thing. Somewhere in the neighborhood of 75% of women who go to adult porn sites will have an illicit affair. So, ladies, when you start nudging, start thinking, yeah, you guys are horrible. It's not just about guys anymore. Some of you sitting here may be continuing with the very same thing. So, don't try and. Pass that off like it's just a guy thing. It's not anymore. One third, one third of people who go to adult porn sites are women. Wow. Wow. That thing needs crucified. It's destroying families. It's messing up homes. It's destroying churches. It's messing up communities. It is tearing. That thing needs to be nailed to the cross. Absolutely. You know what's funny? is He says, so as we are living by the Spirit. See, there's two things you can understand. You cannot fight these things by yourself. It takes the power of God's Word. It takes the intervention and the strength of His Holy Spirit. And it takes, it takes you being locked up and and locked in to a body of Christ where you can face and tackle these things. It absolutely means all of that. The funny thing about it is we can, you know, they can be really, you know, difficult. You know, wouldn't it be awesome to cry? Think about this. Christ, the amazing thing about this is Christ would say he would live through you, not by the passion and desire that exists on the inside of you naturally, but by compassion and selflessness. Because all those things are about what's good for us in the strength of His Spirit. He wants that. None of us can fight this battle on our own. None of us can keep those things nailed to the cross. None of us are capable of fighting that battle. God intends for us to be the church He intended for us to be. Uh, But if we don't tackle these things, we never will be. If we don't nail them down and and, and string them up, we're never going to 
live in the power of the resurrection of Christ. We will celebrate it here next week. Resurrection Sunday is coming. But the real celebration of the resurrection of Christ is the life that is transformed from beginning to end by the power of God. That is the real celebration. Don't you want to be free? There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a very well-known piece of Scripture, James 5, 16. Listen to these words. It, the, the first half of it we never quote. The second half we always quote. And we quote, it goes like this. The effective, fervent prayer of the righteous makes much power available. How many times have you guys quoted that? Hey, pray for me. i got a job interview tomorrow. Blah, 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 blah. You, know, you know, the effective, fervent prayer, brother. Yeah. Right? Huh? You guys know you've done that, right? Huh? The funny part about that is I had, a, I had this mentor once that taught me to teach stuff in context. Okay? We never quote the first half of the, the two halves together because there's a, there's a first half of that verse, and it goes like this. Confess your faults one to the other that you might be healed. Then the effective, fervent prayer of the righteous makes much power available. <laughs> but see, we come to church, and we, we dress up real nice, and we act real good, but we never really want to deal with real issues. Aaron, you mentioned porn during service. Absolutely. You know why? Because people are dealing with it. People are dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness. Absolutely. We're going to deal with it. And we're going to find a way to nail that thing to the cross. You know, we're going to deal with it. You know why? Because the effective, fervent prayer avails much when confession of faults is attached to it so that people can find the healing they absolutely need. That is the context of the verse. Don't get mad at me. James is the guy who wrote it by unction of the Holy Spirit, so blame it on God, okay? Those are not my words. Those are his words. So it's time for us to get real about the things we confront, the things we go, the passions that have dictated to us how our life is going to be and how we're going to respond to people and how we're going to build a, build a refuge around ourselves, not trusting on God to protect us, trusting in our ability to build a wall so people can't get close to us. And we're going to stop trusting in our, and finding satisfaction and fulfillment in those things that are lustful cravings and earthly stuff. We're going to stop doing that. We're going to get real so we can be the people of God. You know what? We've got we to nail things to the cross. We absolutely have to. Jack, I need your help, buddy. You come help me. You see, I can't do what I, what I need to do, I can't do. He doesn't know he's doing this, by the way. This is, this is not planned. He has no idea what's about to happen. And he's probably shaking in his shoes because Aaron's capable of anything. It's time to nail it, brother. Do you want to nail it with me? Would you like to? Because I need your help. Come this way. Come with me. Come this way. Come this way. Grab that, would you? Meet me at the cross, would you? Can you do that? See, some of us got an issue with anger. Can you put that up on that cross? See, I can't hold both all this at the same time. Will you put that up there somewhere? See, and watch your thumb. You see, I got to take anger. And I got to nail that thing to the cross. But I can't do it without somebody else's help. I can't do it without the power of the Word of God. I can't do it without the, the instruction and the wisdom and the strength of the Holy Spirit. I cannot. At the same time, without the help of a brother, brother, or sister, I can't do it. How about this one? This one's huge. I don't know how I didn't make one for this earlier. I made one in between services. Pride. You know why we don't ever confront issues? You know, we, we, do, we, we, we keep handling the same faults over and over and over again because we are pride and proud proudful, prideful enough to not let nobody know. That is horrible English. Not let anybody know we're struggling in an area. And pride stands in the way. But you know what? It's time for pride to be here you go, Jack. Time for pride to be stuck to the cross. Find a place, brother. 
Up, up top. We'll do it up top, man. Pride's got to be nailed to the cross, man. Listen, some of you are dealing with unforgiveness. Bethany made these up for me earlier this week, and she wanted to dress them up. I said, no, don't dress them up. These are black and white issues. These things don't have places in the kingdom of God and the people of Christ. They do not. They're black and white. Let's make it, let, let's treat them like they are. It's a black and white issue. If you're walking on forgiveness, it's hard to follow Christ. He will pull every bit of joy, every bit of peace, every bit of love right out of your heart. And if you're struggling with it, it's time to nail it to the cross. Do you hold that for me? Very good. Come on, let's nail that bad boy. Find a place, man. See, I can't deal with this without Jack's help. He trusts me. He's even putting his, putting his thumbs, two thumbs up there. The last guy only to put one thumb up there. And the other guy has seen me swing a hammer before. It probably has something to do with it. Wrath. Some of you are, are completely motivated by what makes you angry, by trying to get revenge, by trying to get things taken care of on your own and trying to get justice for yourself. It's time to take wrath. Watch it. It's time to take wrath and nail that crazy thing to the cross. It's time to take malice and malicious thoughts towards brothers and sisters and people at work and get rid of them so you can't be the person of Christ unless you get rid of that thing and you nail it and you ask the Holy Spirit to help you nail it and you ask your brothers and sisters to help you nail it and you look at the Word of God and you look at the way the Word of God looks at it and don't dress it up anymore. Man, some of, some of you have suffered abuse recently. Maybe at some point in time in your life, and it has dictated everything about your life. You wake up in the morning trying to contend with it. You go to bed at night trying to contend with it. You know what? It's time to stick that bad boy on the cross and not let abuse. Not let abuse keep motivating you. Some of you feel like you've been mistreated. You know what? We've all been mistreated. Life just ain't fair, man. Some, go ahead, Jack. Put that somewhere. Mistreatment. Come on. Some people have done you dirty. Some people have treated you, treated you the way you think you ought to be treated. Well, welcome to the club. Welcome to humanity. We all have not been, mis been treated exactly the way we want to be treated. All of us. Harsh words. Somebody at work. She's just so. She says that to me again. I'm just going to slap her face. That's not, one of, that's not one of the secretaries, I promise. Um, you know, harsh, harsh words. And we recycle them. And we rehearse them. Oh, I can't get it. And they... Ah. Unfairness. We talked about that. Emotional damage. Some of you have suffered in your emotions. And it, 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 it dictates you every day. I had somebody in my office this week, just this week... 30, 40-something-year-old adult person bawling their eyeballs out. You know why? Never had a dad or a mom ever express these three words, I love you. Came to me about one problem that was going on in their family, wanted me to pray about it. We kept digging, and we kept digging, and we kept digging. And the next thing I know, this all comes to the surface. Mom and dad never... It's time for that to be crucified. I can't do anything about what my mom and dad did, but I'll tell you this, the cross of Christ made it all right. Gave you freedom and liberty. Let's nail that thing to the cross. Come on. Emotional damage. 
The one time they had heard from their parents that, they, that one of them loved, their mom told them they loved them when they were going in for surgery, and they, the, there was potential they wouldn't come out. That was the one time in their whole life. How about this one? Addiction. Surely none of us here have those kinds of problems. Huh? Surely. Yeah, yeah, they're here. I'm glad they're here because you know what? At least if they're here, they can contend with it. And they better be content with it because you're just going to help them contend with it. How about this one? Ooh, don't draw, don't pull this one out, Jack. Huh? Don't it, though? This one's big and dark and ugly. Look at those letters. Oh, man, let's put that on there. That's got to go up there. Huh? Where's it going to go? Let's put that right there. Yeah, go ahead. Surely, no, yes, people are dealing with that probably right here, right now. How about craving? We can put that on there somewhere. Let's go find a thought. <laughs> Any kind of craving that motivates your life. Shoes, lady. TV. Huh? You guys laugh, but you know some of you, are, you, you, know, you know you guys are afflicted with that, right? That's why you laugh. There's a shoebox back there. If you want to load some of those, Souls for Souls. We'll help put we'll help put shoes on the feet of people who don't have any. You got something you need to unload? We'll take them from you. I promise. 31 purses. Oh, don't go there. That's a real that's a that's a Christian thing, brother. Huh? <laughs> Greed. Some of you keep playing that stinking lottery. Because you think you're going to hit it. Dude, it's up to like 275 million, dude. One ticket's not going to hurt nothing. Let me explain something to you. What you do with a little bit of money, you're going to do with a lot of money, and probably worse. <laughs> Here's a big one. But we, 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 we wouldn't consider this one necessarily. Some of you are motivated all day long by the nice words people say to you. Getting recognized for accomplishing certain things and getting certain stuff done and making sure people know that you're the one who did it and man, just getting kudos and props on the back. That, that, there wouldn't be anybody here like that, would they? You know what happens when you're motivated by that? You don't say things you ought to say and you don't do things you ought to do. And so you need to cruise. Watch it, Jack. His thumbs were getting further and further away from the point of impact, I promise. How about this? Alcohol? Surely not. Huh? Some of you know you're going to get busted by your wife until you've got that flask up underneath the car seat. I know. Am I right? And you know she won't trust you again if she finds that, so you... I'm just being real. I've heard them kind of stories before. You know, maybe we, maybe, maybe we got, let's, let's, let's just nail that bad boy on there. Too. How about this one? How about drugs? Surely not. Let's bring it down to earth. Some of you have suffered some sort of injury, gone through something, doctor prescribed something, and at first it was just to kind of help get through things. Suddenly, you find that you you need you need you need that. 
And you're trusting in that to take care of you more than you're trusting in the person of Christ. So suddenly what that becomes, it becomes something that needs nailed to the cross. You see what I mean? Let's nail that bad boy. Now he's backing his head off now too. He knows that. How about this one? This one's a little less noticeable probably. I find it funny that Christian people will get all bent out of shape about people having a drink and they're the same people will pile the plate this tall. Peter says him. And go back and go back and go back. And there's still things written in the scripture about gluttony that still make it, it equate that to drunkenness. You do know that, right? But you go. Ooh, I'm stepping on some toes, aren't I? It got really quiet in here. We'll go to a church dinner, and we'll load up five or six times at a church fellowship thing. You know what I mean? But we don't want, ooh, ooh. Am I being honest? Is that for real? Does God see all sin the same? Then we're no better than anybody else, are we? And it needs crucified, right? Let's, you ready to put it on the cross? Well, let's do that. Let's do that. Let's put it on the I'm not going to use my head or something to do that. Come on. I've seen, guys, I've seen guys do that before, but I'm not going to. How about, oh, here's one. Now, this will not send you to hell, I promise. But it will zap the joy of the Lord out of your life if you're relying on that worse, more, worse, more, whatever the word is than the person of Christ. And if it's eating at you and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, you know what it's time to do? It's time to, to, to nail that, that sinful craving to the cross. You hear what I'm saying? What makes it sin is it conflicts with the person of Christ. Wasting money. There you go, brother. Where's that at? That's on here somewhere, isn't it? Craving, I guess we did that. Greed, I guess that's there. Puffy. This one can be silent because nobody can know about it. Unless your wife or your spouse real sharp about checking your history or something. You know what I mean? Guys, I encourage you to do something. You have problems with women too, I guess, now. Um, there's this ministry called Covenant Eyes. It'll help you with that. It'll help you stay accountable for what you're looking at and doing on the internet. It'll send your favorite friends, confess your faults one other that you might be. It'll send your favorite friends an email every week, letting them know where, you, where you've been venturing out onto, onto the web. And it works, trust me. Every, every guy who possesses a computer here at this church has it on their computer. And we all get emails between one another about what we're looking at. My wife gets mine. Every week she gets a report that says where Aaron's been out on the, out on, out on the line. So she knows where I'm at and what I'm doing. You know why? Because it's okay to have accountability. I'm a man just like everybody else. I deal with stuff. The only way I'm going to get overcome stuff is by letting the, the people around me, the work of the Holy Spirit, and the Word of God transform my mind and my thoughts and my actions. That's it. Let's put this one up here, brother. Huh? Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. See, we get by with some help from our friends. I could not have nailed. 
I'll go. He's got all his appendages and stuff. Listen, thank you. Listen. Listen. Don't, 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 don't clap yet. We're not done yet. Because this is where the river meets the road. If we're going to celebrate the real resurrection of Christ, we've got to have the power to live as if the resurrected Christ is in us. Some of you have things you need nailed to the cross. You've got passions. You've got hurts. You've got sufferings. You've got things that motivate your entire life. That You, you run everything through that filter. And it's time to start running that, all those decisions through the, the, the filter of the person of Christ, not that stuff. So you have cravings. You have desires that are adverse, that are antithetical to the things of God. And you need to get rid of those things. Today, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come grab your own nails. Dave Ramsey is a man who helps people dig out of debts they got themselves into holes. But financially speaking, he, he, here's a principle he uses. He says, you've, you've got to name every dollar before you use it, before you can dig out of that. Right now where you sit, what, what part of you is still trying to live that needs to die so the resurrection power of Christ can be seen? can be experienced by you. What? So we've got a, got a name. Maybe we've got to name it. Maybe it is food. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Maybe it's lust. Stuff. Maybe it's pride. I don't know. We've got to name it. Maybe there's emotional damage that you're contending with. Maybe... There's bitterness resting in your heart. Maybe it is cigarettes, and maybe it is alcohol. And who knows? I mean, I don't know. Only you and the Holy Spirit really know. It's time to nail it. Romans 8, 14. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead... He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. No obligation to follow through on that. Listen to the next words. For if you live by its dictates, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. Name this thing. Right now where you sit, name that thing. Name it. we're going to do got a handful got two buckets full up here stand with me I want you to consider right now what that area of sinful nature is still alive in you I want you to consider what it might be and as an act of altar call as a step of faith I want you to come grab 
a nail. I had one guy actually come in first service. He went like this. Maybe there are more than one. I don't know. But come grab one. As you come, see yourself nailing that thing to the cross. See yourself giving more credence to the Word of God and the Spirit of God than you are to that thing. See yourself giving opportunity to the body of Christ to come alongside of you and confession of your faults and healing to be operated in your life and allow Jesus to do something significant right here, right now. What better way to celebrate the resurrection than actually live a resurrected life? Are you hearing me? Jesus, as we come, meet us here, God. God, as we come, let let these nails, God, not just be nails that we'll keep in our pockets. God, let them not be nails that are just a nice thing we did in this service. God, let let us put to death those things, Jesus. By trust and faith in you, Lord Jesus, your word and your truth. God, let them. Let them signify to us what we desperately need. That's the power of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Jesus, for that. Why don't you come get one? Don't be prideful. Don't be. If you want to kneel down, some of you are going to need to grab a hand of somebody and say, "I need to confess something. I need prayer right now." I'm tired of losing my reason for living. Don't stop. Don't hold back. Tired of living like that? I'm not content just to walk through my life Giving in to the lies Walking in compromises Now we cry out As a generation that was lost But now is found in the power Of the cross We believe in you we believe in the power of your word and its truth we believe in you so we lay down our cause that our cross might be found in To the church and walk away, I'm not satisfied. There's no love in my life but you. Not the power, I'm not satisfied. Lord, I am crucified in you. In you, we believe in you. We believe in the power of your word and its truth. We believe. So we lay down our 
cross might be found. So we lay down our cause that our cross might words. be found. Yes, we lay down our cause that our cross might be found in you. Listen to those words. I wrote these down on my notes. We sang this song during first service. The passion part of that, the suffering part of that, requires that you lay down your cause. You feel like you've been rightfully wronged in some capacity or another. You feel like, you know, somebody's done something and they just deserve whatever kind of vengeance they got coming. And you're motivated by that and you think about that and you stay at that and you, it's time to lay down your cause that the cross might be found. When you, you kick a dead man, they don't kick back. You understand what I'm saying? If you're truly dead in Christ, your rights go down with it. Your hurts go down with him. It all. Grab this nail. You've named it, haven't you? Hold it up to the Lord. Some of you know what you did today. You need to do what I did. Maybe some of you ought to come up here and grab one of those cards off that cross. Maybe. I don't know. Go take it. Some of you need to nail it up someplace. To remind your flesh and your life that it is dead to the person of Christ. That it's going to, you're going to adhere to the Word of God. And the, you're going to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to lock on. Some of you need to go. You know what you do today? You need, to, you need to get a hold of some other Christian. And confess whatever it is needs nailed. And make sure that they can hold you accountable. Some of you need to get in a connection group tonight. Or Monday. Or Tuesday. Or Thursday. And find that group of people you can lock arms with and say, Listen, I'm just tired of the, these words. I'm tired of living my life that way. And the scriptures say at the end of time. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, there would be a church that would exist. And look at these words. They would have a form of godliness, but it would deny the power thereof. Are you hearing me? And the power Jesus gives us is to overcome all this stuff we've been talking about. I, for one, don't want to be a part of a church that has a form of showing up on Sunday morning, but nothing really ever changes. Our lives never really transformed. I want to be that church that has the power, not just the form. The only way we do that is to, to nail this stuff down. You know what some of you need to do? Nail your own failures to it. You're holding stuff against yourself that Jesus stopped holding against you a long time ago. You're holding stuff against yourself that the body of Christ stopped holding against you a long time ago. You're holding stuff against yourself. Your wife stopped holding stuff against you a long time ago. And your kids. And your friends. And you're still hanging on to it. You know what? Failure needs to be taxed to that cross. Nail it up there, buddy. Who are you not to forgive you if God already did? Huh? Jesus, we've got these nails. And God, these are just not forms. God, these are just points, God, for us to connect with what you want, to connect with what you desire out of us. And Jesus, in this moment, we ask God for the power of the cross to be made known to us. Jesus, if there's one person here who's never embraced the person of Christ, God, this gospel message is about you dying on a cross to free us from everything dark, free us from everything black, free us from everything sinful, Jesus. And I pray in this moment, God, that they would find there's power in your cross to be whole, to be well, to be free, Jesus. Lord, I thank you that today you care enough about us, not only to die for us, but to live in us and live through us, Jesus. And I pray that today we would live in the understanding and the knowledge of that. Jesus, without you, we can do nothing.
but in you we can do all things. And so Jesus, help us to die the death so the resurrection power of Christ would be in us. Lord, as we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, God, coming up in a week, Lord, I pray, God, it would be the most celebratory time of our lives because, Jesus, we are free from the law of sin and death and flesh and world and all that stuff, Jesus. Lord, we bless you and we thank you and we honor you, Jesus, for doing that. It's in your great name that we pray, Lord. And everybody say, amen. Go. You need to find a place and nail something up, go do it. Some of you, some of you ought to carry this nail around with you all week long. We believe go be the church triumphant. Just don't come to church triumphant. Go be the church triumphant. We believe in you. So we lay down our cause that our cross might be found. We believe in you. We believe in the power of your word and its truth. We believe in you. So we lay down our cause that our cross might be found so we lay down our cause that our cross might be found yes we lay down our cause that our cross might be found in you Good job.